We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the D.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, more baseball coming your way now. And in the next few minutes as well, I'm going to have my good friend Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch joining me right around 7.15. So we got a little shorty here. We'll talk some ball with Derek. Got a topic later in the hour that I find interesting. I thought it was interesting that we had a sports announcer. I'm talking about like play-by-play TV broadcaster. I'm not really talking about podcast host or talk show host or anything like that, but um, a big-time television play-by-play man who's not sure he understands why television play-by-play men have gotten so much money (laughs) this offseason for the NFL. And I think he makes an interesting point. We'll touch on that a little bit later on this hour. Um, I wanted to take a second, and I'm going to do this kind of as a setup for our next segment, which is just to go around and size up the National League. Based on what we know now, you know, we're less than a week away. I'm going to make predictions next week, not because my predictions are anything special, but just because it's fun. And, you know, I I like doing those things. I like having fun. So we'll see where it goes. But here I just wanted to size up kind of the way it's setting up competition-wise based on what we know now compared to what we knew when spring training started a few weeks ago. So with the Central Division, I don't think we've learned anything truly different. Um, The Brewers and the Cardinals are the only ones that look like they're going to try to win this year. Uh, The Reds won 83 games last year. They've clearly subtracted from their roster. I know that uh, the team and and some of the guys who I really respect that cover the team, like C. Trent Rosecrans from The Athletic, um, are saying that they might not be as bad as people think, but, you know, they've traded some significant players. Who knows if the team gets off to a bad start, they may trade some more. But I, I think it's pretty fair to say that they're not as good as they were last year. And what we've seen in the spring really hasn't contradicted that. They did bring in Tommy Pham. That's interesting. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to be ready on time to start the year. But, you know, they're the one starter they didn't trade, Luis Castillo, uh, might not be ready for the start of the season. I think he's had some shoulder things, if I'm remembering it right. I may be wrong about that. But I'm not sure he's going to be ready for the start of the year. And obviously the Reds don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. Um, the Cubs may or may not be better than they were last year. Keep in mind, they won 71 games last year, even though for the first part of the year they had Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and all of those guys. And I know they moved them and it changed the dynamic. Um, And I don't know that their 71 wins bad. They might be better than that, but they're clearly not in a place where they're ready to contend. And the Pirates are basically a triple-A team. So I think the spring has shown us 
at least what I thought the the, the division is going to be. Milwaukee's really good. They've got tremendous starting pitching. The back end of their bullpen is ridiculous. The question with them will be their overall defensive quality. Is Lorenzo Cain still a quality defender in center field? Um, you know, how's Christian? How healthy is Christian Yelich? You know, the big question about them is how much offense they're going to get, really. And, you know, whether or not they're going to get a lot out of Rowdy Tellez, what's Hunter Renfro going to bring. They have potential, but there are a lot of questions about how many runs they're going to score. And, of course, with the Cardinals, we know what the questions are. Jack Flaherty being hurt. How does how does the rotation go forward? Uh, what's the structure of the bullpen going to look like? You know, how much are, how much is it going to hurt to not have Alex Reyes? I mean, there, there are some really legit questions. I think... Where we have answers, though, where we have certainty is the Cardinals are the best defensive team in the National League. Their offense should be really solid. I wouldn't call it spectacular, and the numbers won't look spectacular. But when you look at the ballpark-adjusted numbers at the end of the year, I'll bet you they're close to a top-10 offense. But we know that Bush Stadium drags down numbers. We know that in Milwaukee, their ballpark, I forget what it's called. I keep want to call it Miller Park, and I know it's changed. I can't remember. But let's call it Miller Park for now. That ballpark enhances offensive numbers. So while the offensive numbers may or may not match what you think they should be, I think when you adjust for the ballparks later, uh, the Cardinals offense will match up well. One of the keys to me to track this team this year, if you're looking for something that maybe gives you a better idea of how good the offense is or how bad the offense is, depending on what's, which way it's going, is what the road numbers look like. So let's keep an eye on that. In the East, we got a brawl, man. The Braves are loaded and really good again. The Phillies lineup might be the best lineup in the National League, although they are a bad defensive team. And they do have some questions pitching, but they've got a really strong top end of the rotation. They've addressed their bullpen, so the Phillies are going to be good. The Mets should be really good, but they got bad news today. Jacob deGrom may not be ready for the start of the year because he's starting to have a cranky shoulder. So if if he's not Jacob deGrom all year, that's going to be... It's going to be a big loss. I know they got Max Scherzer and all that, and they've got some other pitching that's quality, but they were basically building that staff around Scherzer and DeGrom dominating up front. And again, they they do have a deeper team this year. They should score some runs. The back end of the pen can be okay, but and, but they're competing. They're going to be good. They're going to be good. The Marlins can really pitch. I don't know how much they're going to hit, but they can really pitch. And they have added some bats, so maybe they'll get better offensively. Their pitching is fantastic. And the Nationals, I think, are still hard to to figure, right? I mean, Strasburg is an unknown. The lineup is good in the top four or five. It's not so much after that. Uh, but you've got at least three, maybe four teams in the in the East that are going to compete, and the West is pretty good, man. The Dodgers are the class of it. I know the, the Giants won 107 games last year. I don't think they win 100 games this year. I think they're going to be more in the low to mid-90s. But I could be completely wrong about that. Um, I think the Padres should be better than they were last year, and the Rockies will be me. Not very good. And the Diamondbacks, I think, are better than they were last year. They only won 50 games last year. They might win 15, 16 more games this year. I think they're that much better. So, you know, we we got to have a pretty good look at it. We'll do a full preview next week. Coming up next, we're going to talk some ball with my good friend Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch. We're going to talk about number five being back in the fold. See if Derek had a reaction to the Mike Schilt story. And I also want to get some some just kind of big time, big the bigger picture feel on the structure of the pen How's the fifth rotation spot going to go? What are we thinking about the DH spot? All things Cardinals with my man Derek Gould next on KMOI. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The biggest party of the year is back. Cardinals opening day is Thursday, April 7th. And what better way to kick off the Redbird season than with KMOX's Kegs and Eggs. Presented by Budweiser. Tickets are on sale now at KMOX.com slash events. I've been looking forward to this for a long while. I got my good friend Derek Gould from the Post-Dispatch on the line, at Deed Gould on Twitter. Of course, you already know that. Derek, you've got like 800,000 more followers than me. I don't know why I even bothered to promote that. But figure we, we do it all the time anyway, so what the heck? Why not? How you doing, dude? I'm all right. That would put you in the negative. How well, do you have negative followers? <laughs> what could you have possibly said about the Miami Hurricanes that would have given you negative followers. I, I think it's just that, that I talked about them. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, dude? How's spring training treating you, man? I know it's uh, it's a like a condensed version of everything, so I would imagine uh, the, the, the deadlines and the preparing and you guys getting ready for the big preview this weekend had to be a condensed and chaotic, too. Yeah, and then they, then they signed Albert Pujols, so, you know, that was all fun <laughs> at the same time. So it's been something, you know, I've, I've been here since February 23rd, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, that's when I got here, and I covered people walking between buildings. <laughs> um, and now, uh, now you know, now baseball is on the horizon. And, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot. You know, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what, uh, what to make of this spring as far as just watching it unfold. And, yeah you know, what went into the coverage. Um, but, you know, the the opening day is near. That means the season preview is Sunday. There's an advertisement in the season preview that people can see Saturday or Sunday um, about something we're going to launch next week. Nice. It will be expanded Cardinal coverage. Um, a lot of people have been clamoring for this. Nice. Um, and I, I apologize for the deep tease, but it's what a lot of people have been asking for, and we're really eager to get it off the ground and let people know about it. Um, but uh, but there's been people here, Rick Hummel, myself, and Daniel Guerrero, our new hire, and then, of course, Colin has Ben Fredrickson, 
you know, there's, there've been four of us here for the last about week and a half, two weeks. Nice. And we're preparing, we've been working diligently for, uh, for not just what you see in the paper, not just what you see online, not just what you'll see in the special section, but what you're about to see um, when we when we launch uh, this next week. Very cool, man. Looking forward to it. It's got to be a blast. And obviously, you mentioned uh, throwing old number five into the mix. How how strange has that been? Having him back in camp and and back really. I don't know. Maybe you should tell me rather than me assuming this. But you would think it would maybe have a little bit of a different vibe, does it? I mean, you covered him before. You know, that whole time leading up to his departure. Is it does it feel like it did when he was here before, or is it different? It's different. I think that's a fair read on it. It's different. I mean, you know, it's been 11 years since he was last here. Um, you know, when he was last with the Cardinals, he had a will they or won't they mm-hmm. hanging over him. Was yep. this the end or was was he moving on? Was he going to be a Cardinal for life? Was he not? That was that was palpable that whole year. And, you know, towards the end, obviously it changed because the, the, the World Series wrote a different story. Mm-hmm and introduce David Freeze and, you know, Pools hits three home runs and they have a parade and you know, it just gave that whole thing a different feel. Um, but you think back to like spring training 2011 and, you know, there was, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend, Matt Sebeck, who works now for SDL City, you know, he did that Albert Ageden poster <laughs> as we just were counting down the days to when he was going to close off talks on an extension mm-hmm. and test free agency. And it was a way different feel this year. I mean, he comes back and says, you know, like, I'm not counting down the days to what could possibly be the end of my time with the Cardinals. I'm counting down the days to what will definitely be the end of my career. Um, that, it does have a different feel. And, you know, I've talked to Albert through the years um, that I haven't covered him on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, he's I – think, I think he appreciates the opportunity to be back here more than maybe he'll articulate. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's really, you know, I've heard a lot about how he has wanted to come back here. Not that he wanted to come back here while he was with the Angels, but, right. you know, when he became available, um, you know, that, that this was the place that he wanted to finish. Um, not Not because of unfinished business, but because this was home, and he wanted to come home and you know i think that really became clear to him in 2019 Mm -hmm. where he was treated by the fans in st louis in a way that was both profound um and the fact that they were cheering for a visiting player um but also therapeutic in a way that like you know there, there was there weren't hard feelings from him departing right they just celebrated his career and now he gets a chance to come back and by embracing a very reduced role, maybe contribute in ways that are still magical. We'll find out. But, you know, I, I mean, it just, it was a really clear fit. The Cardinals uh, have some concern because they have to, that, you know, if he doesn't produce, how does this end? Yeah. Uh, um, but both of them are pretty comfortable with that. And they okay. seem to be at peace. With if he doesn't produce, you know there is a young man named Juan Yepes who who could maybe, and you know if that time comes, then it's clearly that they've had this discussion that uh, they you know what Pujols would do and and what you know how he would fit with this team. 
You know, it makes sense, Derek. I had a lot of questions about, you know, the, the, why why bring him in now. Other, but most people were thrilled about it, but others were like, well, why why take the playing time away from Juan Yepes? And I would imagine, Derek, that it's simple, right? I mean, you view him as potentially an everyday player down the road. You probably don't want to put him on the short side of a platoon uh, when he's a rookie of all things. And you can have Albert have that shot. And if it doesn't work, Yepes is getting those at-bats in Memphis and you've always got time to go to him or Gorman or Nudbar or whomever. But, you know, early in the year, you probably still want to think about the development of some of those guys. I guess. Also, you want them to perform. Let's not, like, dismiss Good point. Like what yeah. happens in spring. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you know, they sent a young group up there to go face DeGrom and Scherzer and what apparently will be their last appearances as Mets for a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. But they went up there. They sent a young group up there, and they said, hey, go get them, kids. You know, let's see what you got. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're basing decisions on one, you know, game. But they wanted to see your Pez seize this job. They wanted to see, you know, they wanted to see Lars Nupar give them reason not to go sign Corey Dickerson. They wanted to, you know, I mean, Brendan Donovan has had a superb camp and probably has made the most of all of them. But they wanted those other guys to do what he did mm-hmm. or what Jake Walsh has done or, you know, some of these other young guys. Um, and they did not. Let's not gloss over that. 100%. Um, you know, Yupez took some walks. Um, but he wasn't authoritative in his at-bats. They need him to be authoritative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Newbar has had a fine camp, um, but he's not one who's run away with a job. Right. Um, Corey Dickerson has come in with a good contract and a track record. Yep. So he's getting a little bit more time. But, I, I mean, you know, there isn't anybody on this in this camp that has said, hey, man, that DH thing is cool. I'm going to do it every day. Right. And so they got to a point they're like, well, we know this other guy has experience, and against lefties, he can still kind of, you know, crush it. Yep. So no one has taken this option off the table with their performance, and the fans want to see it. So let's go sign Pujols. Yep. And that's as blunt as I can be. Yeah. But they had the opportunity. They had two and a half weeks to make the, the team's decision for them, and none of them have. It's the same thing that happened with pitching last night. Yeah. Drew Verhagen had yep. the chance to make their decision for them. He could have gone out there and absolutely, what is was it shoved? Is yep. that the? I like that okay. one. That's a good one. All right, good. He could have he could have gone out there and announced his presence with authority, as they say. <laughs> um, and and at, at the end of the night, I, I would not have been surprised if he goes out there and pitches whatever four or five. If at the end of the night, Oliver Marmol said he's our fifth starter, but that didn't happen. And the same kind of thing ha- didn't happen with DH. You're right, and you know, let, let's stay focused on the pitching side for for some for a minute, Derek. Because I, you know, offensively, you know, eight of the nine spots, we know what the plan is, barring injuries. We got a pretty good idea of who's going to play every day and regularly, and will be fun mm-hmm. to see how it plays out in terms of matchups. But really, the DH spot is, uh, and maybe the last bench spot are the are the conversations. The pitching side. Now nah, we know those. If you do want to know those, well, I mean, I think I think we do, right? I think we yeah, know yeah, those. Yeah, I mean. Do. You know, Newt Bar's on the team. Albert's on the team. Kisner, Sosa, that's the bench yeah. with somebody. Well, in that case, Dickerson would be the DH, but who knows? But that's basically it, right? Oh, no. So, okay, so Albert is the DH against lefties yep. and change-up type righties. Good call, yep. Corey Dickerson is the um, DH against right-handers 
who are low in the zone, like power sinker guys. There we go. And Lars Newbar is the DH against righties, and maybe some lefties, we'll see, that throw with velocity. The top of the zone guys, right? I know you, you touched on that. Guys. Yeah. yeah. What was that? Was that, guys, was that over like the weekend four, that you hit that, or was that a, just a couple days ago? I don't recall. Something. It's all a blur, man. <laughs> it was over the weekend. Or it was after Albert signed, so it was a couple days ago. Um, but that's that's how they view this. They see Lars, and Lars actually talked to me about this. They see Lars as a guy who can hit upper register fastballs. Yeah. yeah. Grom, Scherzer, those guys who he's going to face. Left side some, too, keep in mind. They see Dickerson as a low ball hitter. Yeah. Shocker. Here's the guy who hits balls that bounce in the dirt, and he hits them for doubles. <laughs> so I don't know where they're getting this idea that he's a low ball hitter, but there he is. Um, and then Albert is the guy who hits lefties, and he did today. I mean, yep. you know, just clean professional at bat against Genesis Cabrera, single to center. You know, against Jake Woodford, ground out to shortstop, ground out to shortstop. Yep, yep. It's fascinating to me, Derek, because – and this is kind of where I wanted to go, and we can tie this into the pitching side of it too, because what we're talking about here is something that that Ali Marmol has mentioned a lot is playing matchups, but that doesn't always just mean lefty righty. That means like right. what you're talking about. It can be style of pitcher that you're facing. For a pitcher, are you facing guys that are good fastball hitters? Well, here's your breaking ball guy. You're facing a guy that is good bottom of the zone. Well, here's our high fastball guy. It feels like it, it's going to be. I don't even know if the right way to put it is mix and match, but it feels like there's a lot more wiggle room to how they want to deploy the roster this year than we've seen maybe ever with the Cardinals. I uh, I had a name for it that I just kind of put up, came up with on the spot during a video we were doing, Ben Fredrickson and I, and uh, I've got, had some people laugh at me, but I trust that you won't laugh at me if I tell you the name I came up with. I on promise. The All right, you ready? Yes. It's Dr. Marmol's multiverse of matchups. Okay. I I'm I stifled the laugh. That's good though. No, I mean I'm serious. It's good, good because it's good because I think it paints the picture that this might be as much an arcane art as it is just flat out science. Correct. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, he's absolutely gonna go Doctor Strange on this. Yeah. But it, but it's gonna be different than say like what the Giants did, right? Right, right. Like the, they the were Giants straight platoon, basically. They weren't straight left-right platoon. What they had was like line changes, right, 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 right. Like you know, like like a hockey team where a new pitcher would come in and it'd be like, okay, here comes the four new giants, right? The line, yeah, yeah. Right? Cardinals aren't going to do that. They're going to be like, new pitcher comes in, okay, here comes our new DH, okay, here comes our new second baseman, maybe. right, right. But they're not going to they're not going to be like, here's our new first baseman, huzzah. I mean, they're not going to do that. So it's it's more of like a targeted, timely matchup mm-hmm. than it is like a wholesale Giants style. Right. But they really like what the Giants did. Um, Marmol is really close with some of the guys who were with the Giants last year um, and like was really fascinated by talking to them about what they were doing. We know that this is the direction the front office wanted to go, not just with the lineup, but with the bullpen. Um, you know, and what they need to do, what they really try to do this year is outfit the roster to make it possible. Last year, the roster couldn't pull this off. Right, right. No, it's a good point. You didn't have the, you didn't have Dickerson and Pujols and, you know, Lars was still working his way up. And obviously this year, um, is it, is it an oversimplification, Derek, to say that 
this year's best result would be a much healthier rotation than last year because, you know, while there were bullpen troubles at time, I really would say the difference between being a 90-win team and a 94-95 win team was the rotation last year. Yeah, because they gave a month off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the front the, 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 the manager, the pitching coach, and the rotation was crying out for help. And, you know, the, the front office let it drown. I mean, it just was they, – they, they, were, they were in an innings crisis weeks before they got reinforcement. And it started with Wade LeBlanc, yep. who should get credit for helping to, to salvage. I mean, he was Baywatch rushing to the rescue mm-hmm. um, because he was able to throw strikes, handle innings, and just give them some way to breathe there. Um, and I know he gets overshadowed by the acquisition of Lester and Hap, but he was the one that started it. And he came to the team yep. um, in, you know, when the team was in Atlanta, which was also like the tipping point for the offense, right? Yep. Like that series just it frustrated Schilt no end offensively. And, and the players, too. Um, you remember, like, Nolan Arenado that day said, what is this, the first day that Paul Goldschmidt and he had, had uh, contributed at the same time? Yeah, yeah, because the first part of the year they were back and forth, yeah. Yeah, and that one day they just bombed, you know, in the doubleheader. In the first game of a doubleheader, they both contributed. And then, you know, then they had the second game, and then they went off to Detroit, and they were just like a 5-3 waiting to happen as a team. Just really frustrated folks. But but that was when Wade LeBlanc showed up, and they had gone a month since Flaherty's injury. Yep. And they just were, I mean, they just were cratering when it comes to innings. And, I cannot stress this enough that it's not a sometimes for a team to contend it's not about like like dominating innings sometimes it's just about like covering innings mm-hmm. so that the bullpen doesn't fray and rupture and splinter and come apart sometimes you just need a guy to go out there with a 5 ERA and pitch into the through the 6th to get you to the next day because what was happening for the Cardinals is they would be exposed in a series, like, say, against Atlanta, right? Or or you can think memorably about how they were just really taxed. Gosh, what was the series? Um, I don't remember these precise series. I guess, you know, they were really taxed in that Dodger series oh, yeah. out west. Big time. Right? Kim got injured. Flaherty got injured. And what happened after that? Didn't the Reds come in and sweep them? Mm-hmm. So what the Cardinals ran into was they would lose – two series while playing one because of their pitching problems. They got to stabilize that if they don't. And it's a fair question whether they will, right? They don't. That has a cascade effect that will keep them tumbling in the standings. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Well, I'm looking forward, Derek, to the preview. You guys do it better than I, I mean this sincerely. I'm not trying to suck up because you're my friend. You guys do the Cardinals preview better than any publication on the planet. Um, so I'm looking forward to catching it this weekend. I'm looking forward to seeing you at the ballpark on Wednesday for the workout and Thursday for opening day. But in the meantime, have fun, safe travels, take care of yourself, and we'll see you here in a few days, my man. I got to go buy some luggage and pack. <laughs> go get it done, my friend. All right, it's a pleasure talking to you, Keebler. All right. Great to catch up. Let's talk to you soon. You're a good man, Derek Gould. Thank you so much. Safe travels. We'll see you at the ballpark next week. Um, and, and I feel the need always to explain the Keebler reference. Uh, but I don't have time to do it now, so maybe we'll do it a little bit later on. We, we've done it on the on uh, the best podcast in baseball when I've joined Derek there 
Um, and we'll do it another time. I just because I wore blue shoes once and looked like an elf and <laughs> and uh, you know, that's the Keebler elf because I'm and I'm kind of short, so it's kind of funny. So <laughs> great stuff from my man Derek. We appreciate him jumping in. Uh, let's do a little bit more follow up. I want to follow up on that rotation part and where it might be different this year or where we hope it's different. That's probably the key word there because hope is the key word. Get to that next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Live on KMOX. All right, so quick follow-up on the pitching side of things. And then uh, last segment, I got a, believe it or not, I have a Greg Gumbel topic. <laughs> Never thought I would say that. because I mean, like, I love Greg Gumbel, but, I mean, it's not like something I would typically spend much time on. But he said some interesting things today about the sports play-by-play industry, which I think is fascinating. And I'll, I'll explain that in the next segment. But I wanted to take a few more minutes um, on the pitching side of things. Because, again, I, I think part of the conversation here. Um, with, you know, in that last part that we were talking about you know, with Derek, there was really, I think, you know, the difference, it was why you needed a 17 game winning streak just to get to 90 wins. And it was the rotation. So all of last year, when we spent so much time talking about the offense, this and the offense, that it really was never the offense that was holding them back. It was the rotation. It was knowing you weren't going to have Dakota Hudson at the beginning of the year, thinking you might have Michaelis, but then turning out you're not going to have him, and not only not have him, but not have him for like four months. And then not being able to make up for that and not have the the depth. So, you know, you knew what you had, you were counting on Wayno, but I didn't, I don't think you really knew you could count on him for what he gave you because what he gave you was, was phenomenal. One of the, one of only a handful of pitchers in baseball to get 200 innings last year. And that was critical. And without Wainwright, no chance this team wins 90 games last year. And this year, this is to me why it underscores how important the health is, but also what they've tried to do. And they have not done this. I want to be clear. They have not done this in a surefire way. They have not done this in a way that would excite fans. Because what what fans would have wanted, aside from Steven Matz, would have been like, okay, let's go get Marcus Stroman now, and we can have the depth, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, if you sign Stroman, you've got six starters, and, you know, you don't really have room for that. But, and and I don't think that was realistic. I think you were going to sign one proven starter, and that ended up being Steven Matz. And then after that, though, you still needed to cover some depth, and they did. They didn't do it in a way that's going to make all of us excited, but they did it. So last year, what did you end up doing? You brought in Wade LeBlanc. You brought in, eventually, John Lester. Right? I mean, you, you eventually brought in guys that, you know, weren't the, weren't the sexiest. They weren't the ones that were going to get you fired up. But they, were, they would at least give you a competitive start. They would at least give you a little something. Like Derek was talking about, even if it's even if it's just a five ERA and and five innings, it's something that gives the bullpen a chance to survive. And you know when Martinez got hurt and wasn't a factor with with KK going on and off the injured list with Flaherty missing half the year and and obviously you know the the Michaelis setback and you knew that Hudson was out so that wasn't uh, you know a shock. You you ended up filling in 
with guys like Jay Happ and and I mentioned LeBlanc and before LeBlanc got hurt and then Lester. Well, what you, what they've done this year is they've gone that route in advance of the season. No, it's not an older, experienced guy like Lester or Hap, but that's what they've done with Drew Verhagen. That's what they've acquired in Aaron Brooks. These are guys that can start, that can give you those innings. Now, they're not necessarily guys you're you're counting on or wanting to open the year in the rotation. And as you heard with what Derek was saying, you know, with Verhagen, they the door was there for him to walk through it. If he come, you know, if he had a good start yesterday. Or maybe he has, you know, one more outing where he's better. He could be a guy that ends up in your fifth spot. But you also have Jake Woodford for that too. But they, the thing that they've done differently this year is now they have all of those guys that are in-house. And it's not Johan Oviedo who might not be ready. It's not John Gant who's worked primarily as a reliever. It's not Daniel Ponce de Leon who's always had trouble throwing strikes. These are strike throwers. Brooks and Verhagen are known for that, especially Brooks. So again, this these are not sexy names. These are not the names where you're like when they when they sign, you're like, yes. But those can be the difference between where you want to be this year and where you ended up last year, which was a rotation that was so shaky that it it really did eventually burn out a lot of the bullpen. And of course, you have more, you know, you 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 know, I don't know if you'll end up having more bullpen options. We'll see. I mean, you lost Reyes. But Jordan Hicks looks great. And I meant to bring that up with Derek. I just didn't have enough time. But Jordan Hicks is throwing 100 with movement again. And we don't know yet what it's going to look like and how healthy he's going to be. But we know that that's what he's doing. And he, he looked, he's looked great so far in the spring. So I don't, I don't know if I'm putting this stuff out there as consolation necessarily. It's, I'm just simply pointing out that with Jack Flaherty down and the fifth spot open, you've got options. Whether it's Woodford, Verhagen, or Brooks. I kind of like Woodford with the first crack, personally. Um, but the the point is that those guys that you would consider the depth moves that you had to go out and acquire last year, veteran guys with professional experience, both in the big leagues and in, in uh, either Korea or Japan, guys that are more strike throwers, they're in-house now. You don't need to go out and get them like Wade LeBlanc, John Lester, and Jay Happ. All right, hang tight. I want to get to that Greg Gumbel topic. And here's what the tease. This is a little bit more detailed tease for you. Greg Gumbel was talking about whether or not it makes sense for the big-time football play-by-play guys and even color commentators to be making the big money that they've made this offseason. I think he actually raises a good point. And it's nothing wrong with those people because I'm a fan of a lot of those guys. But do you ever tune in to a game because of who's calling the game? On TV in particular. Talk about that next on KMOX. All right, let's wrap it up with a with a big picture question. This is something I might want to get into a, a little bit more in the future, but I don't know when that's going to be because baseball starts next week. So <laughs> once the Cardinals get going, we don't have too many sports open lines, but it's a relevant conversation now, and I think it's interesting. So Greg Gumbel is a play-by-play man. And yeah, he does studio work and all that too. But, you know, look, he he's a, a play-by-play man. I think he does a really nice job. I, I like Greg Gumbel. He has an interesting opinion. Now, he, he, he worked on first take today, and they were talking about this offseason. This NFL offseason has been drunk, period, 
like trades of star quarterbacks and free agent signings and you had all the changing up with all of the broadcasters and Joe Buck going to ESPN and all these changes with Monday Night Football. Everything's been in, been chaos in the NFL. And what Greg Gumbel was talking about was what he called a crazy circumstance with the broadcasters. And he didn't mean it in any negative way towards those guys. Because and, and I want to be clear. I like all these guys. I, I mean, I know people love to rip on Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck does a great job. And no, I'm not just saying that because I'm on KMOX or because his last name's Buck. If I didn't like him, I probably just wouldn't say anything, to be honest with you. There's no point in lying about it. I think he does a great job. There's a reason why he is where he is. And it's not his last name. (laughs) It's because he's really good. But what I will say is, I didn't understand the bidding war over the, the broadcasters on the TV side. I do understand it more when it comes to radio because you have a bigger job on the radio. You've got to describe the action. You've you've got I mean you've got to paint a picture for people. But think about it. Nobody's running around doing bidding wars for radio play-by-play guys. It's always the TV side. And obviously cuz TV has the big money and that's where all the money comes in. But I'm going to ask you guys a question and this is something I'm going to read what Greg Gumbel said about it. And I agree with this wholeheartedly, and I'm going to ask you a question. And I know you can't all answer at once because you're not on the phones and all that, but just think of it to yourself and answer in your head. You can answer out loud, I guess, if nobody's around. But here's what Greg Gumpel said. He said, what does tickle my thought process, I've never felt in my entire life there's an announcer who can bring someone to the TV set to watch a game that that viewer wasn't already going to watch. He continued by saying, And I believe the only thing a broadcaster can do is chase people away. Now, he's talking about TV play-by-play people. Clearly, it's different in different formats, right? So if you're listening to a talk show host, mostly you are listening either for the host or for the subject matter. Hey, look, some people are listening to Sports Open Line because they know they're going to get Cardinals talk, and they don't care if it's me. Other people listen because they like me, but it, it, or people hate listen because they like to yell at me, whatever. It doesn't really matter, but I do think it's different for that or for a podcast or whatever. But when it comes to a television broadcast, I, I have never once tuned into any game in any sport simply because someone was calling the game or was an analyst on the game. And I do think this is something that in the NFL, they overthink way too much. And they clearly pay a lot of money to do this. But how many different Monday night broadcast crews that we had to go through when we all we need to realize is the game is the draw. You know, there's too much trying to chase the ghosts of the past, right? Well, when it was Howard Cosell, everybody tuned in and it was the biggest show on TV. Yeah, because there were three stations back then. Three. Fox didn't even exist as a network back then. It was ABC, NBC, and CBS as networks. That was it. And so, yeah, Monday Night Football with Cosell and Meredith and all those guys. Yeah, that was a show. It was an event. But it was an event because there was nothing else on on a Monday night. And that doesn't mean those guys weren't great because they were. But it would have been the biggest event regardless of who was calling the game because it's the game that's the draw. And I still to this day don't understand 
how ESPN doesn't get that. You're going to spend, I mean, again, nothing against the people involved because I do think that, you know, Joe Buck's the right guy for that. But it's not, I mean, like, people are not tuning into Monday Night Football for the broadcast crew. It's going to be about that game. Whether or not you care about the two teams, whether or not you've got money on the game because you're chasing from a bad Sunday, whether or not your fantasy victory is tied to whatever happens on Monday Night Football, it's the game that is the draw. So that's why I never have understood the obsession with, you know, who's the number one crew or who can we get to make Monday Night Football better? And the truth is nobody. The better the game, the better the ratings. The the more intriguing the matchup, the bigger the markets. You know, when it's Cowboys-Steelers on Monday night, it's going to get good ratings even if the teams are mediocre because they have national fan bases. I just thought it was interesting that someone like Greg Gumbel brought it up. And he, he went on to say this. This was one of my favorite quotes. He said, Mo, Larry, and Curly could do a football game, could do a good football game. Well, now, first of all, those guys are hilarious. And if it was on TV, it's visual, so you could have constant shots of the booth of them smacking each other and poking each other in the eyes and all that. But his point was, it's the game. Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. They're big because they're on them on their own in prime time with no sports competition at their level. I mean, they are the most popular broadcast, but it's about the game and the quality of the teams and the exclusivity of the event that's happening that makes ratings and makes people watch. It's not the booth. I mean, we've tried it all, right? How many times have we seen them try it? Uh, we're gonna try. Uh, we're gonna try Dennis Miller, and uh, we're gonna try Rush Limbaugh, and we're gonna try Brian Greasy, and we're gonna try John Gruden, and you know, like, uh, and it, none of it changes anything. It's about the game. And you know, I I just thought it was fascinating that we had a TV play-by-play man making that point. Uh, it was it was interesting, especially doing that on on first take. On ESPN, where all of the bidding war was taking place. You guys, it's been a good night. Enjoy the weekend. You've got Blues hockey starting in a few minutes. We've got the Final Four tomorrow, the championship game on Monday night. Cardinals baseball on KMOX tomorrow evening, opening day on Thursday. It's going to be a great week. Have a good weekend. We'll check in with you on Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.